0: Hello and welcome to The Trail Podcast. My name is Matthew Erdnum and I'm a physiotherapist and researcher working alongside The Trail team here at La Trobe University. Our guest on today's podcast is Emeritus Professor Jill Cook. Jill is an internationally renowned tendon researcher, a sports physiotherapist who has spent over a decade working alongside the Opals and is easily one of the most generous people that I know. Jill has contributed to the careers of many physiotherapists and clinical researchers alike. For all you NBA fans out there, according to the former director of medical at the Philadelphia 76ers, Jill is the only person that Joel Embiid has ever listened to. So, without further delay, Jill, welcome to the Trail Podcast. Thank you, Matt. It's delightful to be here. Jill, I'm interested in knowing, how is it that you became interested in tendons? It's
1: actually from a clinical perspective. I was working in basketball with the Coburg Giants at that stage, and we had a lot of players with patellar tendinopathy, and I had no idea how to treat them. And when I went to the literature, I also found there was nothing in the literature as well. And it sort of just blossomed from there in in a very slow and actually quite incompetent way. But we eventually got our act into gear, got ourselves together and uh, managed to actually produce some decent
0: research. Amazing. So if we take a step back, what exactly is a tendon, Jill? A tendon is a really complex
1: structure. It's often sold as a really simple connective tissue structure between a muscle and a bone, so that when you move your muscle, it moves your bone. But in athletics and in any sort of sprinting or running type activities, it works much more than just that. It actually stores and releases energy. It's its primary role. And by doing this, what it does is actually decrease the cost of running so that you're not using your muscle all the time to do the running. Your tendon is passively helping to propel you forward with this energy storage and release. Of course, if you do a lot of that, you can actually place stress on your tendon.
0: Other than energy storage and release loads, what other types of loads can load a tendon?
1: Uh, There are two primary loads outside of energy storage and release, so we see compressive loads on tendons, and that can be either an internal compression when the tendon lengthens, it can sometimes uh, suffer compression within the tendon, but often external from bone or from retinaculum, so structures that are close to the tendon that serve a purpose and should be there. But if you do too much of one activity, what happens is you can get excessive compression on the tendon and then that creates a problem and it becomes a bit self-perpetuating. The compression causes the tendon to swell and then you have less space and then you get more compression with less activity or less movement. So that's one primary load and we see that in the Achilles at the insertion down near the heel, and sometimes in the mid tendon where the posterior retinaculum goes around the tendon. The other load that we see is a friction load, and this is completely different again, where it's about the tendon moving against the surrounding structures. So we have structures called peritendons that are around a tendon, and you have good peritendon structures if your tendon moves a lot. So in our Wrist and hand and feet, we have quite sophisticated peritendon structures. In the Achilles, we have what's called, uh, bad name, tenovagium, but it means that the, the tendon can move freely against the surrounding structures. But if you do too much movement, you actually get an irritation of these structures.
0: And, and what would be an example of each type of load for a runner? Or what would you most likely see a runner doing to experience a compression load and then a friction load? So if you were running up hills,
1: you would get a lot of compression at the heel where your tendon attaches to your heel bone. Um, So that would be uh, most commonly doing a lot of sprint starts where you get a lot of dorsiflexion where you drop your heel down. So anything where you are not operating on your toes or partially on your toes pushes your tendon into more compression down by the heel mm. so that's that's quite common and from a perspective of friction load we see that when you do anything that involves a lot of movement so for example if you decided to ride a bike because you were a little bit fatigued as a runner you can sometimes do a lot of up and down movement of your heel again on the bike and that can create a friction load as well and uh, the other way we see it is sometimes even with swimming when you, you're moving your foot up and down a lot. So anything that creates um, movement will, uh, cre- can create friction loads.
0: So what happens when we apply too much of any of these three loads to the tendon?
1: The tendon will respond and it can create changes within the tendon or within the peritendon in the case of friction loads. But often that might not be painful and that's the critical point that at this stage we don't really understand why some people can develop quite profound changes in their tendon, what we call pathology, um, without getting symptoms and other people get symptoms very early. And one of the key reasons that we don't understand this is that we don't understand the source of pain. So you might say, oh, yes, well, I have pathology in my tendon and therefore that's where my pain's coming from. But that's actually not true. Um, You can have a lot of pathology in a tendon and not be painful. You can develop pathology in your tendon and not be painful. But conversely, you can get very early pathology and, and have pain. And so this is one of the conundrums that we haven't sorted out in research or even clinically, that people who present with first-time pain might have first-time pathology
0: or they might have pathology
1: that's been there for a long time.
0: And in addition to pain, what are some of the cardinal signs of someone who might have a tendinopathy? Okay,
1: so tendinopathy by definition is... uh, a change in function and an increase in pain. So you will notice that usually because of pain, you don't function as well. Um, And you feel that you can't, you're a bit stiff in the morning commonly, but you just don't have the drive through your your calf and, and, and Achilles complex. If it's not pain as your primary source, you can sometimes get bumps and lumps on your tendon. And it looks a bit thicker than the other side, uh, that indicates that there's something going on in your tendon, but you're not experiencing pain. It's really important to realize that having the lumps and bumps and a thickened tendon and no pain isn't a cause of worry because you can actually have those lumps and bumps and pathology in your tendon for your whole life and never, ever, ever have pain. So, Um, Having said that that's a sign of pathology, it's really important that you don't become focused on it. Just keep running, keep doing your loading, and you can sail through life very comfortably.
0: Now, a lot of patients that I see in the clinic often come with an image of their tendon. How relevant are the findings of these images in terms of the patient and and how relevant are they to the patient's clinical findings
1: Mm. imaging is a blessing and a curse altogether and imaging can be very helpful in many conditions but in tendons and in tendinopathy it sometimes confuses us as we've talked about you can have pathology and no pain and you can go and have an image of your tendon that will show there are changes in your tendon but you still have no pain. And so if you present with pain and you have changes on your images, you actually don't know if the pain is from the pathology because we see a lot of people with this what we call asymptomatic pathology. So if, I, if we went and imaged everybody playing basketball in the NBA, so elite athletes, very good jumping athletes with an ultrasound, we would find about 40% of them had pathology in their patella tendon and have never had pain. So if imaging changes don't correlate with pain, and we know that they don't, when you have an image, when you are painful, you can't actually tell that the pathology is a source of pain. And what goes along with that is often the imaging reports are very unhelpful. They will talk about partial tears, degeneration and all the things that actually make you quite uncertain about the health of your tendon and what you should be doing if your tendon is partially torn or has a a, a lamination or there's a lot of terms that are used and people take on board all of those terms, talk to their aunts and uncles, read on the internet and then decide that they should be doing something about their running load or seeking some sort of intervention, when in fact you can have all of those changes, be a perfectly functional athlete, never have pain and never need anything. And so the consequences are that people are changing what they should be doing based on what their images look like, and that's a bad place to be.
0: So Jill... When should a runner go and see a physiotherapist? And in your opinion, what should they expect from a good physiotherapist?
1: I think the hallmark signs of needing someone to look at your tendon, be it Achilles or whatever, is when you feel like your pain is impeding your performance. That's, to me, a critical point where you need some guidance from your physiotherapist very often we see athletes particularly those that are running a lot or or being highly athletic who have pain but it's pretty stable and they can still perform to the level that they're used to and remembering people who get tendinopathy are often very good athletes They can still do everything that they need to do and do it well, but they might have for an Achilles, for example, some morning stiffness that doesn't change. So in terms of not changing, I mean that it's three out of 10 in the morning, but it's consistently that it's not going up to four or five. So a change in your morning stiffness, I think for an Achilles is really important. Also a change in your ability to do the running that you normally do is when you need advice. And as we've talked about, going to a doctor and getting a picture is not always the most helpful thing that you can do. If you do seek advice and go to a physio, then you want somebody who will take a very good history. So what we need to know when you present with tendinopathy is what's changed in your loading environment. So nearly everybody we see who presents with a new tendinopathy has changed their load in some way. They've either changed where they run, they've changed the amount they run, they've changed their shoes, they're doing more track running, something in your loading history will have changed. Identifying that's by far the most important thing that you can do so that you can modify it to a point where you can change your symptoms and then gradually reintroduce uh, the load that you want to um, achieve, Mm -hmm. which you've obviously tried and not failed, and sorry, tried and failed to achieve. Mm -hmm. So that'd be the first thing, a really good history. The second thing that a good physio will do is look at your function. So what you need for good Achilles tendon or good tendon health is a high level of strength, Mm -hmm. a high level of endurance, and a capacity to either store and release energy repeatedly or to tolerate those compression or friction loads. So your examination by your physiotherapist should really encompass all of those things and discriminate between your symptomatic and your non-symptomatic side. If you have symptoms in both, then it can be a little bit more tricky. But also if you are an elite sort of runner, actually look back to what, your normative value should be you know how much strength should you have how many calf raises should you be able to do so it would be very much uh, looking at that Uh, a good physiotherapist won't rely on your images Mm -hmm. neither will a good physiotherapist rely on palpation soreness Mm -hmm. so if you find that people are poking your tendon and finding out where it's sore Mm -hmm. then that's really a bit like imaging in that it's not that helpful in terms of telling us anything about the health of the tendon. And finally, a good physiotherapist will differentially diagnose your pain. So because we can be very unsure where your pain is coming from and imaging doesn't help us, you have to know that the pain is definitely tendon related and it's not coming from the structures around it like the peritendon or the where the tendon inserts into the bone that we've talked about. But it can come from your ankle joint can come from your nerves, can come from a lot of different places. And you may have tendon pain and another pain. You may have solely tendon pain or you may have solely another pain. And there's no point in treating pain coming from a joint with a tendon-related program because you won't do well. So you really do need to find someone who can sort you out, sort out your loading, sort out your function, and then make your differential diagnosis clear
0: so do runners need to stop running when they have tendinopathy
1: usually not because you usually see runners relatively early in the onset of pain the people who struggle to keep doing their sport are the people that have been dragging a sore tendon around for months and not done anything about it. And because it's painful, they lose function and then they lose the capacity to do any sort of high level function. If you get onto a tendon early, and we always say that a tendon talks to you. If it's feeling sore, it's telling you that something is not right with your loading. And if you get it early, and the source of overload is identified, you can just very simply change loads, decrease them a little bit, so maintain as much load as you can that doesn't make you sore and doesn't give you that increase in morning stiffness. If you can find that level and then top up your function, so maybe do a little bit of strength work or a little bit of endurance work, then start to gradually reload your tendon, you can get back up to the level that you want. In fact, it's often very negative for a tendon and a muscle and a brain and a kinetic chain Mm -hmm. to actually um, rest because you lose function in everything. So with tendons, we are nearly always pushing to keep people at things as much as we can within the constraints of their pain and function.
0: So what I'm hearing is that rest icing and anti-inflammatories are not the way to manage a patient with a tendinopathy definitely not
1: if you had asked me back in 1985 I would have said oh yes that's absolutely right because we used to think this was primarily inflammatory now we know that it's not there is inflammation in tendons but it's not driving the pain or the pathology and even though we don't absolutely know the source of pain. We know that those sorts of interventions are not helpful at all. You will always feel better if you rest until you go back to trying to do your load again and then you get worse again. Uh, so yes, you can feel um, much better with anti-inflamms and you can feel much better with rest, but it doesn't actually help you in the long term.
0: Jill, if a runner's been seeing their physio, every two weeks for the last six months and they're still not experiencing any relief from their familiar pain what should they do and what questions should they ask their physio
1: that's a tricky question isn't it i think being informed yourself is really important and that comes with a whole range of issues because you can go onto the internet and find anything you want and any answer you want. And that's the problem because your physio may feel really well informed and you may feel very well informed and you might not actually agree. Um, and you can find sites that tell you to rest ice and anti in frames. So this becomes a, a real problem for Directing your management because you actually don't know what's best for you. It's like me taking my car to the mechanic and he says you've got three wheels instead of four. I'd say yes, yeah, sure, I have no idea what's going on. So um, you go to your physio and you think you are informed or you try to be informed, but they tell you other things. My goodness, it's it's a, a it's a nightmare. What I would argue is um, ask the questions that that we talked about previously. Are you sure this is my tendon pain? Um, Why do you think my image is important? Why do you think poking my tendon is important? Have you sorted out what loads are affecting me? And I I would argue every two weeks for six months with no change in pain requires some sort of um, consideration of where you're at and I wouldn't say you have to leave your physio. I, you know, I do have patients that take a long, long time to get better. But you would want to be feeling very sure that you
0: were on the right track. So once a patient's recovered from their Achilles tendon pain or their, or their tendon pain, what's next? I've heard you say once a tendon, always a tendon. What's next for the patient that's recovered from their familiar pain and is back to their previous running loads. So this is where it becomes the athlete's
1: issue. So your physio can't sit on your shoulder like a leprechaun and tell you what's good and what's bad. You have to understand and work out what loads your tendon likes and what loads are provocative. So you might find that you can do all the running you want to do, but as soon as you run too many hills, you're in trouble. And so you need to moderate the number of hills that you run or you might even choose not to run many hills. So you need to find out the loads that are provocative and and modify those. But you can always learn to do those loads if you maintain strength and strength endurance. So one of the key things I think once you are over your tendinopathy is to keep loading it in the gym. I'm a, such an advocate for staying strong and having strength endurance. Once we have a good muscle holding on to our tendon and supporting it so it can energy store and release, then we have a chance of being able to run for however many kilometers you want to. because if your muscle fatigues, the load on your tendon changes so that's why we need to be strong and but we need strength endurance as well and then we need coordination through the leg coordination through the brain to the muscle all sorts of things so but the two things i would say is modify or, or moderate or monitor your load and second stay in the gym, keep strong, and it can only needs to be two times a week. It doesn't have to be a a lot. You can go be in there for five minutes, maybe ten, and be out. So it's not a massive program, but staying strong and keeping strength endurance is critical.
0: Jill, what would be the one or two things that you think every runner would benefit from knowing about their tendons and how to manage their symptoms?
1: Oh I think it sort of reflects the last question is that tendons talk to you if you have some tendon pain and it's persistent so it's not just one day and disappears we often see people have this sort of what we call a reactive tendon where you have a bit of a flare but it settles down if it keeps nagging at you that's the suggestion that you need to think about what's happening. And this is where I would monitor my load. So what's changed? What do I need to think about moderating so that I can get this back under control? So that would be the first thing. Um, and as I say, for runners that are running a lot, it can be a change in shoe, change in terrain, all sorts of things can make simple things and very small things can actually cause an onset of tendinopathy. So I think, you need to be in control of your loads and understand the loads. I think the second thing would be to... Oh, gee, stay strong. I think I've already said it. It's, it's it, you know, a lot of running athletes particularly think that big muscles... And you don't get that big muscles from being in the gym unless you're doing something nefarious as well. <laughs> um, you know... A lot of athletes don't like being in the gym, running athletes. My goodness, it can make a difference from a tendinopathy perspective. I think there's a lot of evidence that can make a difference for your running as well. So we'd obviously be talking about calf strength if we're talking Achilles, but I would think strength through your leg would be a real benefit for a runner.
0: Jill, thank you so much for joining us today on the Trail Podcast.
1: My pleasure, Matthew.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of The Trail Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to share it with family and friends with and without knee pain. If you're interested in learning more about The Trail Study, you can head to the website at www.trail.latrobe.edu.au. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you on the next episode of The Trail Podcast.